welcome to the first episode of the Entertainment Goes Pop podcast, where anything entertainment and pop culture comes together to be discussed, whether it's music, TV, movies, video gaming, sports, anything pop culture from any decade. We're going to discuss it here and just have some fun with it. Okay, this topic's a little dated, but we're going to go back and talk about the 55th ACM Country Music Awards that uh, had to be delayed, obviously, because of the pandemic, pushed back to the fall. I think, I forget what month this was supposed to air in. It was back in the spring, anyway. Um, I really liked this show. I thought this was one of the more visually impressive looking shows that I've seen without crowds because it's so hard with so many of these shows award shows especially and just anything that's that feeds off a crowd it's so hard to make it look good and sound good this ranked very high i don't know i might even put it as numero uno on visually impressive they had the show in three different locations it was at the grand Ole opry house in nashville all this took place in nashville they moved the location i believe it was in vegas if i remember right it was where it was supposed to it's where it normally is uh it aired from the opry house from the ryman auditorium downtown and also at the bluebird cafe so you just had all through the night they would just constantly go from one location to the other. They had different singers, uh, awards, award presenters. They had them all in different locations. And it was even awesome, like, how they transitioned. Like, the, the video production looked really good with how they would feed to the other. I really liked how they did it. At the Opry House, you had all the lighting looking really impressive with everything. So I just, I really liked it. I thought visually... It looked awesome. I just, I really enjoyed the show a lot. Um, Entertainer of the Year, we had the nominees were Luke Combs, Luke Bryan, a couple Lukes in there, Eric Church, Thomas Rhett, and Carrie Underwood. Uh, We had a tie. And of course, you know, just as 2020 is, Keith Urban kind of laughed. He's like, well, you know what? It is 2020, so we've got a tie for Entertainer of the Year. So I'm thinking... I'm going to be honest, I'm a very biased Carrie Underwood fan, so I'm just like, okay, if she, maybe she can get out of here with a tie, you know? So they announced Thomas Rhett first, I'm like, okay, you know, good deal, and then they announced Carrie, you know, that she won, of course it just was like crazy over here, just fist pumping and cheering and all that, you know, and then uh, Carrie got up and spoke two words that you know, she needs to put on a t-shirt when she said 2020, man. <laughs> I was like, please put that on a t-shirt because I will absolutely wear that. Uh, she has had a great speech. Both of them did. Congratulations to both of them. Entertainer of the year, male artist of the year. We had the category nominations were Thomas Rhett, Keith Urban, Dirk Bentley, Chris Stapleton, and Luke Combs. Luke Combs takes that category, takes the award for Male Artist of the Year, Female Artist of the Year. This is a big, strong category right here. We had Carrie Underwood, Casey Musgraves, Kelsey Ballerini, Miranda Lambert, Maren Morris. Maren Morris takes home Female Artist of the Year. She's had a big year. She's had a big album. I mean, really, all of of these ladies in this category, they've all had big years, so can't can't go wrong with any of them uh duo of the year up in that category was maddie and tay florida georgia line brothers osborne brooks and dunn and of course dan and shay who took home the award uh they've had a big year too i mean i can't really argue on a lot of these awards so like i said carrie took home entertainer of the year that's what i cared the most about <laughs> It's like that that's the one I wanted. That was the big award I wanted. Um thrilled to see Maddie and Tay uh getting nominated in here. Big fan of theirs. Um they've worked so hard. Um just I'm just happy that they're getting getting nominated and you know what they deserve. They just they deserve this attention because they're a very talented duo and their new album's really good. Uh Dan and Shay have had a big year. 
I mean, you hear them crossing over on different different radio stations. You know, it's just not on country. It's over on the pop side. You'll hear a lot of them on pop stations. Group of the year. Wasn't sure about this one because there was a time <laughs> to where anything group of the year was like, it was either Lady A or Little Big Town, and they're both in this category. So it was between them, Midland, the High Women, and Old Dominion, with Old Dominion taking home Group of the Year, taking home that award. New Female Artist of the Year category with some very talented ladies in here. Of course, I'm a big Lindsay L. fan. I've met Lindsay before. She's just super sweet. Uh, she's had a had her new album come out here lately. Need to review that at some point. Uh, Ingrid Andress was also in this category. Gabby Barrett, Kaylee Hammock, Tennille Towns. Uh, Tennille Towns takes home the award for New Female Artist of the Year. I really figured it was probably going to probably come down between Tennille Towns and Gabby Barrett because Gabby Barrett's had a pretty strong radio summer. It's like I hear her music a lot on radio and she's crossing over as well. I'm hearing her on a lot of pop stations too. So I really figured it would probably come down to those two. And Tennille Towns, I'm trying to think if I've ever seen her in concert. I don't believe I have. I keep trying to talk myself into that I have. I've seen her during CMA Fest week at the Opry, and I don't think I did. I don't think I did. Just random side topic there. So, but that moves us on to new male artist of the year be between Russell Dickerson, Morgan Wallen, Jordan Davis, Cody Johnson, Riley Green, with Riley Green taking home that award. Uh, album of the year was between Luke Combs, Thomas Rhett, Maren Morris, John Party, and Miranda Lambert. Uh, I mean, goodness, there's some strong picks in here. Uh, Maren Morris, that album's been very good. I've really liked that album. There's a lot of good singles off of that. Some good albums in this category. And Luke Combs took it home. Took home album of the year for the ACMs. Single of the year went to God's Country by Blake Shelton. Uh, he was up against What If I Never Get Over You by Lady A. Really like that song. Rumor, Lee Bryce, Rainbow, Casey Musgraves. Like that one too. One Man Band, Old Dominion. But single of the year goes to God's Country by Blake Shelton. Song of the Year went to One Man Band by Old Dominion. Uh, in that category with them was Some of It by Eric Church, God's Country, Blake Shelton, Girl Going Nowhere, Ashley McBride, and 10,000 Hours, Dan and Shay with Justin Bieber. Video of the Year was between Sugarcoat by Little Big Town, One Man Band again nominated for Old Dominion. God's Country, once again nominated, Blake Shelton, 10,000 Hours. Another nomination, Dan and Shay with Justin Bieber, and Remember You Young by Thomas Rhett. And Thomas Rhett did take home the award for Video of the Year. Music Event of the Year, this is a big collaboration here that took home this award, Fooled Around and Fell in Love, which was Miranda Lambert featuring Maren Morris, Ashley McBride, Tennille Towns, Kaylee Hammock, and L. King. As they took home that award, they went up against 10,000 Hours, Dan and Shay with Justin Bieber, Dive Bar, Garth Brooks featuring Blake Shelton, Old Town Road. Of course, everybody knows that song. If you, if you haven't heard Old Town Road, I don't know how you haven't heard it. What Happens in a Small Town, Brantley Gilbert and Lindsay L. So there's a lot of good stuff in that category there. Songwriter of the Year, Hillary Lindsay. Yay! Big cheer for Hillary Lindsay. Uh, she works with Carrie Underwood quite a bit. I've actually seen Hillary Lindsay perform with Carrie uh, together at a fan club party a few years ago where they did a, did a round, one of those uh, writer's rounds, music rounds, whatever they're called. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, they did that together and it was a lot of fun. Uh, so I've seen Hillary Lindsay there, and she's worked with Carrie, so it was just like, yep, wanted to see her win. A lot of good performances on the show. Um, Carrie Underwood did an awesome tribute 
to the ladies of country, going through a medley of several of theirs. She performed that at the Opry House, downtown Nashville. Really like that. She did songs from Dolly, Barbara, uh, several, just several different ones. It's very good. Uh, Miranda Lambert did Bluebird from the Bluebird Cafe. That was very cool. I like the, I like the lighting and just the very, just the very calm like everything that they had going at the bluebird it was just really cool i like that uh taylor swift was back first time we've seen taylor swift in a while she performed betty from her new album she performed that very cool performance if you wanna if you like that performance she has released that as a single that you can get on all your various streaming or whatever you get your music on so you can get that. Gabby Barrett. I like Gabby Barrett's performance. Kelsey Ballerini performed on the show. I really liked her performance. Um, she she just had such a confidence about her. Like when I watched her take that stage, you could just read it on her face. She had recently gotten snubbed by another award show. She got snubbed on nominations. And she just had this whole demeanor about her where it's like, you're going to snub me? Well, watch this, <laughs> you know? And I really, I really love that because I thought I wasn't crazy about her getting snubbed either because she's very talented. Um, she just actually released her special edition album here lately. Earlier this year, she put out her new album, Kelsey. Now she is putting out another version, same songs and everything, but a different twist on it. And to go with the, the name theme, this one's called Ballerini. So... Very cool. I like that a lot. Kane Brown did an awesome performance. He had a choir up in the balcony section at the Opry House where they sang Worldwide Beautiful. Just an awesome, feel-good, powerful performance. I really liked it a lot. Uh, the choir up around the top where they were just you know evenly divided up there, spread across that balcony section up there singing along with him that was it was just awesome super powerful really like that mickey guyton performed with keith urban she sang as he played on the piano she sang what are you going to tell her just a really good performance as well really like that i'm just kind of going through a lot of my favorite performances on that show there were just so many good performances and again like i said the locations it just, the show just felt good. It felt good. It looked good. It's just probably the most I have enjoyed a musical show since the pandemic and everything's shutting down, shut down where we don't have crowds, you know, and things like that. So it was just a very good show. I was very happy with ACMs. Just a very fun show. Sad to hear the passing of Regis Philbin. Uh, Regis, goodness, I mean, he was my morning tradition for ever since I was a kid on up to, you know, it's like I grew up watching him in the mornings from a kid on up into adulthood. You know, it's uh, he was a big part of my morning. It's like every morning I would turn on, you know, and watch him and Kathy Lee and then later you know, of course, him and Kelly Ripa, and that was how I got my morning started, was just laughing, you know, and his his fun stories, and it was just, when you turned that show on every morning, you knew you were going to, you were going to laugh, and it was going to start your mornings off right, and light, right and light, and you were going to enjoy it. He just, he had such a great way of communicating and just so humble and he had such a way of telling stories that he could tell a story that would last for that whole 20 minutes of that opening segment there at the desk and he would have you just leaned up leaned in you know listening to these stories and hearing how it was gonna go and what happened and it could be the most simple story <clears throat> of just like him going to an event or going, walking across the street to something 
and missing missing the door of where he was going and he would have a diagram out and he would draw draw like the directions of where he was where he was going how it went wrong it just anything it's like anytime he would bring out illustrations it was always great it was always so fun when he would do that just all through the years you know it's like he was he was that comfort person you know with morning tv and for me i don't think morning tv has ever been the same without him i think once he retired it just it's never been the same you know it's like there's so many great shows that are on uh with talk shows in the morning and uh ryan seacrest is awesome you know i mean you can't say enough great things about ryan seacrest with how incredible he is at his job and everything and uh but it's just, it's just not the same, you know, it's just, it's not the same because Regis is just Regis, you know, whenever, like I remember when, you know, when 9-11 happened, he was one of the, you know, when they finally came back, it was, you know, that was where your comfort was. It was just like your normalcy of seeing him on your TV. And he was such a representative of New York City. So much of what i know and have learned about New York City is through him because of his stories or his you know telling the history of New York City or you know with posting or where he would put up you know the newspapers every every day he'd tell the stories of like what's going on in New York City and it almost made you feel like you were part of New York City because he was just such a great representative of that city and I always said, if I ever visited New York City, you know, while he was on, of course, uh, that that was, that was going to be one of my first stops, was I had to go see a taping of that show. But morning TV's just never been the same without him. And it's been fun to see him pop up, like he'd pop up on uh, Kathy Lee and Hoda and come on there and make some surprise appearances and everything. It was just like he never, it's like he'd never left, you know. But he's just such a great storyteller and just such a class act, you know, that he you just he had such a welcoming way of making you feel like you knew him, you know, like you were hanging out with a friend for an hour every day, you know. And for me, it's like that's, you know, like Regis and Kelly both, you know, that was, that's how it was. It's like every morning you woke up and it was like hanging out with friends, you know, but it's, but yeah, I grew up when I first started as a kid, it was Regis and Kathy Lee. And I think I might've actually started watching when the show went deeper into syndication. I think that's probably around the time I actually started watching it. I just found them on TV. I don't remember how I started watching it. I might have just been flipping channels and just always enjoyed it. I always enjoyed, you know, I mean, the the highlight of the show was always the first 20 minutes. So, you know, with just the, just the back and forth, the improv, you know, and that was always the highlight of the show. So I watched that all the way up to when Kathy Lee left and then when uh, Kelly came in, jumped right in loved kelly immediately it was just like she was just she was the right fit for that show just immediately that first show she just fit in so well you know so it's just it's never been the same without that duo you know and uh but yeah definitely definitely gonna miss regis very sad to hear that news definitely a legend but one thing i thought of was like man is he having a great time seeing all of his friends that he has missed so dearly. I can just see him and Rickles are probably having all kinds of fun and there's just no telling the laughs they're all having up there. So yeah, Regis Philbin passing away here lately is very sad news to hear. So did you get your PlayStation 5? Did you even get close to getting a PlayStation 5? <laughs> did you did you battle the online wars to try to get it? Did you go in person? I'm seeing it's of course the PlayStation 5 launched uh as I'm recording this it is actually launch day. So I've been kind of following the happenings online on Twitter and everything with a lot of long lines in places. 
websites that are going to sell it that have crashed <laughs> people that had it in their cart and it was the website crashed and they lost it there's a lot of uh, stories and you knew this is the way it was going to be it's this way every time when we have a console launch especially something so big uh playstation 5 there's going to be two different editions of this thing for $3.99 that is going to be the digital edition for $4.95, it's, it's a PS5. It has an Ultra HD Blu-ray disc drive. So there's two different options of which to get. Um, <laughs> good luck on getting one. If you get one, good job to you. And know that there are a lot of people, including me, that are jealous that you got it. I don't know. I'm not jumping out there on launch day. Just... I don't know, I'll eventually get me one. I don't know if it's going to be right away, because I just got a PS4 pretty recently, like within the last year or so. So I don't really want to abandon that thing yet. It's like I want to get some more gameplay out of that thing yet. So far, more, <laughs> if I can spit that out. I want to get some more gameplay out of uh, my PlayStation 4 before I jump up. And of course, they're still going to be producing games on PS4, so it's not like they're abandoning it. So that's going to be some time ahead before that happens. But yeah, it's uh, PlayStation 5. It's, it sounds like it's been as crazy as I expected it to be with trying to get one. I'm curious to see if there's any Black Friday sales with it that go on. With it being a brand new release, I don't know. I don't really feel like they'll do Black Friday sales with that because they're gonna want they're gonna want that straight up money for that thing. Uh, with it being, you know, by the time Black Friday is here, what are we two weeks out from <laughs> when the thing launched? So if uh, if you got out there and got you one, know that there are a lot of people jealous of you because <laughs> they can't get one so it's definitely a battle uh it's gonna be something kind of fun to follow to see uh see who gets them i'm looking forward to checking out some twitch streams hopefully people will be playing that thing on twitch very soon because i want to see what it looks like i want to see the gameplay and I'm curious to see how it all looks Man, I was bummed to hear this news. Supergirl from the CW is ending after this coming season six. They announced recently that the show would be ending. I have not heard the reason on why. I don't know if this was a network call, a show call, or a Melissa call. I don't know whose call it was to end the show. Sad to sad to hear that. I've watched Supergirl since the beginning. Of course, it started on CBS. I really, really loved that first season. And of course, they uh, ventured over from this, to the CW from there. Uh, Melissa Benoist put out a statement. I'm going to read what she had to say when she was talking about the show ending. Uh, this was her post and what she had to say on Instagram, which you can see it at Melissa Benoist. She said, to say it has been an honor portraying this iconic character would be a massive understatement. Seeing the incredible impact the show has had on young girls around the world has always left me humbled and speechless. She's had that impact on me too. She's taught me strength I didn't know I had to find hope in the darkest of places and that we are stronger when we're united. What she stands for pushes all of us to be better. She has changed my life for the better, and I'm forever grateful. I'm so excited that we get to plan our conclusion to this amazing journey, and I cannot wait for you to see what we have in store. And then she promises just to have a just big, awesome, great final season. Um, it's just a fun show to watch. You know, I've just really enjoyed it. Melissa, she's just a star. I just, I love her in that role. She just plays it so well. We've had a lot of cool um, guest stars roaming through, you know, over the last several seasons. A lot with Smallville ties, you know, or ties to other parts of of the Smallville, Superman, Supergirl uh, universe, you know. We've had a lot of them coming through there. So, again, don't know yet the reason 
on why it's ending. I'll be very curious to find out uh, where the decision was made. Feels fun to hear that ringing bell again that is so notorious with uh, the start of the Saved by the Bell theme song. Saved by the Bell, the reboot, is getting ready to start on the Peacock streaming service. I say reboot, but Mark Paul Gossler has been saying on his podcast lately that he doesn't really call it a reboot. He calls it more of a reimagining. So I'm curious to see how this is all going to play out. They've uh, released several trailers over the last uh, several months. I don't remember when the first one launched. It's probably back in the summer or so. Um, last year, they did... There were several of them. I can't remember who all was on the panel. Actually, I think it was those three. I think it was Mark Paul Gossler, Elizabeth Berkeley, and Mario Lopez, if I remember right. Uh, they were at a convention. I can't even remember. Was it Megacon? I don't remember. I can't remember which one it was. But anyway, they did a reunion panel. And one of the questions that was asked during the panel was, is there anything, you know, with all these reboots and all these series coming back, is there anything that you guys are looking at doing? And they were very careful with how they answered it, almost like it was teasing, but they weren't teasing. And just the way it was answered by them, I said, oh, there's something going on. <clears throat> it's like they clearly have some kind of plan. There's something in the works here. And sure enough, November 25th, Peacock Streaming Service. Here we go with Say by the Bell again. Um, from what I gather, it's Mark Paul Gossler is going to be involved, Tiffany Amber Thiessen. I don't think they're regulars. I don't know that for sure. I'm just kind of gathering kind of what I see. Elizabeth Berkeley, Mario Lopez appear to be regulars. They're going to be on every episode, I'm assuming. That's kind of what it looks like. Uh, the basic storyline, I'm going to read this right off the Peacock uh, website here. Uh, this is the premise of the show. When California Governor Zach Morris gets into hot water for closing too many underfunded high schools, he proposes that they send the affected students to the most well-funded schools in the state, including Bayside High. The influx of new students gives the privileged Bayside High kids a much-needed dose of reality. So, <laughs> I like that too, how they word it. Gives the privileged Bayside High School kids who never have a problem that can't be solved in 22 minutes, <laughs> a much-needed dose of reality. So, Zach Morris is the governor of California, because of course, of course he is. Why not? Why isn't Zach Morris the governor of California? Which would make Kelly Kapowski the first lady of California. So, it looks like Jesse is the guidance counselor of Bayside High, A.C. Slater is the P.E. teacher, so that's kind of where they're going there. Um, I like what I see. I think the last trailer they came out with that came out just a few weeks ago, um, it seemed like it, I, it was my favorite of the bunch because it seemed like it kind of showed the overall feel of what the show's going to be like. There's a lot of play off the original, of course. There's going to be a lot of little Easter eggs in there for us that grew up with the series that we're going to enjoy seeing and hear. Um, I, I like what I see. I think it's going to be fun. If you want more Say by the Bell content, especially focused on the original, I mentioned it earlier, but Mark Paul Gossler has a podcast with Dashiell Driscoll where basically the story, the setup of the podcast is that Mark Paul Gossler has not watched an episode of Say by the Bell since he walked off the set 25 years ago. So they are going back and watching these episodes and doing like commentary on them, telling stories. They'll uh, bring in some actors, writers, whatever, you know, people from the show and they'll interview them. They had uh, one of the episodes I listened to, they brought in the twins, the, the actresses that played the, that were the twins on the show. They brought them in and just talked about their experience in that particular episode that they were watching and so it's a lot of fun. If you want some more Say by the Bell content, that is a really fun podcast. It's called Zach to the Future. It's uh, it's really fun. Just look it up on all where your podcasts are available. I highly recommend it. I've enjoyed it. I haven't gotten to listen to a lot of them. The ones that I have listened to have been really fun. 
So I think if you're a Say by the Bell fanatic, you're really going to like that podcast. But this is going to be fun. I'm really looking forward to the launch of the reboot, reimagining, whatever we want to call it. Uh, I don't know how they're going to launch them. I don't know if it's going to be all the episodes at once or if they're going to go, you know, weekly. It could be a little of both. I do know that when AP Bio launched their season three on there, that if you were a premium person, you got all the episodes at once. If you were a free viewer, you just got them weekly. So I don't know if that's what Say by the Bell is going to do as well. So that will be something to kind of keep an eye on. But very fun. I'm looking forward to checking out the Say by the Bell reboot reimagining that launches November 25th, Peacock streaming service. With the pandemic and with how 2020 has been with the pandemic, uh, one thing that has really had to back up and punt has been the fan conventions. Uh, Of course, these fan conventions, they rely on people, you know, people coming in and attending from all around the country, all around the world to come in and meet celebrities, hang out with celebrities, do the meet and greets and all that. Um, One thing I've been super impressed with in 2020 is how these fan conventions have adjusted around this. They've really done a great job in trying to figure out how to maneuver around this 2020 deal, you know. Uh, A lot of these conventions, I'm talking about like Wizard World, uh, Fan Expo, you know, just so many. There's countless different ones. Um, where they do virtual panels, you know, and they gather different celebs from different shows. They'll do, like, a Smallville panel. They've had, like, a Supergirl panel. Um, I think I saw, like, a Harry Potter panel lately. They've had Buffy and Angel panels. Endless amounts of panels. And they'll gather people together, have them do, like, a, you know, just like you would. I mean, if you're at a convention, you're sitting there watching them do a panel and answer questions for 45 minutes. Now they're gathering them online to where, you know, you can send in questions and they'll do that. But you can also do uh, virtual meet and greets to where, you know, they charge you a certain amount and you can have a one-on-one video chat for, you know, X amount of dollars and it's recorded. They even do like a, they'll do like a still picture, you know, where they'll say, hey, pose for picture, you know, and then they'll record, you know, your virtual meet and greet session and send it to you later. Or you can do autographs, you know, you can request autographs and they'll send that to you. Um, But what's cool about this is I've seen a lot of things this year like even the virtual meet and greets, when you go to a fan convention, um, a lot of the, I've seen the virtual meet and greets are running about most of them. I'm seeing do two minute virtual meet and greets. If you go to a fan convention in person, with it so with so much going on, I'm not sure you would get two minutes with each person. And even then, there's going to be so much noise and it's going to be such a rush with a line that it's almost like this virtual meet and greet that there's something, if you're a fan and one of your favorites is doing one of these virtual events, you could get a really cool experience with one of your favorites that you may not be able to get, especially even more so if you can't go to a convention or there's not one coming around to a city near you. Or I'm seeing people from across the globe that are taking part in these things. That It's like, well, of course, they're probably not going to be able to be a part of this convention in person, you know, unless, they, unless they're a big traveler. You know, they could do it if they're a big traveler. But that's a very cool opportunity that you might not be able to get to where you can get two minutes one-on-one with one of your favorite celebrities, you know, and get it recorded to where it's something you can keep. So if you're, I just want to give major credit to these conventions because they've really done a great job of doing this. Like I know Super Collector's been doing 
Back to the Future events. That's those have been really cool. Where they're doing virtual signings. Um, but yeah, I just want to give credit for that because these conventions are doing really cool things. And like I said, if you're a fan of these people, uh, there's some really cool experiences for you to jump into to check out. I mean, uh, like I said, check out Wizard World. Um, Wizard World, I've, I can't tell you how many Wizard World virtual panels I've watched so far this year. There's been so many of them. And I've just really enjoyed those. So, yeah, I mean, if you're just research around the line, hit wizardworld.com, hit hit some of these others, just type in virtual panels and virtual conventions and blah, 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 similar things like that. And just see what pops up and see if some of your favorite celebs are doing this. I mentioned earlier about the Say by the Bell podcast, but there's a lot of other good podcasts out there as well that have launched or are launching where it's cast members, producers, whatever, looking back at shows and telling stories and everything about them. One I found lately, and I don't know how it took me this long to even know this thing existed, but it's called the Beverly Hills 90210 Show. It's hosted by several of the producers of 90210. They will... They don't do episodes in order. They jump around. They kind of have topics and themes of stuff. And, you know, they might have one episode that's about a whole storyline or something. Or they may have an episode about a certain episode. You know, there was one I watched. The first one I listened to was about the season two Halloween episode. And they brought on some people to talk about that. I thought it was really good. And what's funny is I was listening to it, and of course they're playing, they play clips, they'll roll clips in there every so often to kind of set something up or get opinions on. Um, But I was listening and I thought, this sounds like a very visual podcast, like there's video of this thing somewhere. (laughs) That's what I kept thinking. So I looked it up on YouTube, and I was like, oh, sure enough. Okay, so there there is video. So I'm going to be a watcher now instead of a listener. (laughs) So I've been watching that one. Uh, I've watched a few of them. I've really enjoyed them. Another one that they did lately was uh, they uh, did an episode on the Kelly Taylor uh, Tara storyline. They brought on Paige Moss and uh, Jenny Garth on there to talk about it. So that's a really fun podcast. There's a lot of good details in there. They'll give you a lot of behind the scenes on how they shot some of these episodes. Um <laughs> any trouble they had sometimes they've got some funny stories of like some of the trouble they had to do shooting scenes or whatever but then they'll get uh you know a lot of great opinion from some of these actors you know about uh what they were doing at the time with the show or that episode and now looking back and reflecting so that's something really cool to check out if you're a 90210 fan check that out i know uh, jenny garth and tori spelling have launched their own podcast now. I have not listened to it yet, uh, but it is out there too. So if you're a 90210 fan, there's a lot of podcast content out there for you to absorb. So definitely check that out. Sad news with the passing of Alex Trebek, of course, the host of Jeopardy for 37 seasons from 1984 until 2020. Of course, he passed away after his incredible battle that he put up against pancreatic cancer. I mean, you know, he just, he got that news and he just rolled and he just put that smile on his face and kept that positive attitude and just kept doing what he loved and he was defiant that he was going to keep doing what he loved and hosting that show and that's what he did I mean from what I've heard I think his I think his last show was recorded two weeks before his passing and they said they knew that that was going to be his last show as well so just Incredible fight that he put up, loved by so many. You know, I mentioned Regis earlier. I remember, one of the things I always remember, uh, Regis had this thing to where he was he was stuck on whenever Alex Trebek would introduce Jeopardy. 
Regis always said that he would say, this is Jeopardy, <laughs> instead of this is Jeopardy. And uh, Regis was always stuck on that, and he would not uh, back off that statement. Anytime he'd have Alex on, he'd say, no, no, listen, listen to this. Listen to how he says it. This is Jeopardy. And that was always just kind of a fun uh, back and forth that they would always have. That's something that made me think of both of them. So, um, yeah, sad about the passing of him. Just a true legend. Uh, you know, of course, that game show has been around. Of course, when I was a kid, you know, it was just like wall-to-wall uh, game shows you know, where it was reruns of game shows or new game shows or whatever. It was just like game shows just ruled uh, daytime TV outside of like soap operas and stuff like that. And of course, Alex Trebek was part of that. And he went across many different shows. You know, it wasn't just Jeopardy. He hosted several shows. So definitely his, uh, his passings hit a lot of people this week. Definitely a true legend in this business. I know he, I know so many people have learned from him uh, in this business of, of entertainment and TV. And, and people are going to take, you know, what they learn from him and pass it on, you know, for generations to come. So, yeah, very sad to hear the passing of him. Uh, just true legend. Definitely going to be missed. If you're a One Tree Hill fan, there's a pretty cool autographed item out there for you that's available. It's it borderlines, you know, just autographed, but it's a cool memorabilia item as well. Um, Chad Michael Murray has partnered with Represent to offer Lucas Scott signed jerseys. Uh, back earlier this year, they offered the blue, like away jerseys. Now they are actually offering the white home jerseys to where he will autograph it, sign it. And they at first limited, I'm reading this as I talk, at first they offered 2,500 of them, and they said, you know, 2,500, and then we're done. Those sold out pretty quickly. Uh, of course, a portion of the proceeds from every jersey sold supports St. Jude's Children's Hospital. The first set of these Ravens jerseys that were sold out with the 2500 were going to be guaranteed to get get to you by Christmas. They have opened up a second wave of the jerseys. So if you still want to get one, you can still get it. Uh those will not you will not see those until 2021. But this is a super cool item if you're a One Tree Hill fan to be able to get an autographed jersey of this. Uh, if you want to check it out, you can go to represent.com slash Chad Jersey. Represent.com slash Chad Jersey if you want to pick one up. Uh, of course, if you want one, you'd better get there in a hurry because <laughs> those things are selling fast. I watched the the original uh, set of these go pretty quickly of these home jerseys. You know, when they limited to 2500 they went pretty fast. Uh, it's a really cool item to have. You're a One Tree Hill fan. It's, it's just kind of a fun piece of memorabilia, you know, you could have to where it's, you know, a uh, Ravens jersey, and it's signed. Some sports things to discuss here. The NBA has announced that they will start the 2020-21 season on December 22nd, it will only be 72 games instead of the normal 82-game season. Uh, no word yet on when the season will end. They have not announced that. Uh, negotiations with free agents will be allowed to begin at 6 p.m. Eastern time on November 20th, with signings permitted starting at 12.01 p.m. Eastern time on November 22nd. Uh, the NBA draft is going to be held on November 18th. 8 p.m. Eastern on ESPN. So I don't know, kind of reading up here, I don't know really what they're going to do with fan attendance. Um, see, details on team-by-team, team, game schedules, and fan attendance will be released at a future date. So looks like they're still kind of working that out on what they're going to do with uh, 
with fans, with how they kind of do all this during pandemic times. Uh, I really, I was really happy with how the bubble worked down there in Orlando. I think when they announced that they were going to finish the season down there, not many people gave them a chance of pulling that off. You know, it's pretty amazing. They got through that whole thing with not one positive. They did not have one positive test of coronavirus the whole time that they were down there in a bubble, which is amazing. So it just really showed that um, all their precautions, everything that they had in place worked. You know, it was really just quite the amazing ordeal that they were able to pull that off for three months. Now, there were some players and stuff that people that uh, tested positive before they went to the bubble. I know there were a few positives that that were announced, but as far as in the bubble, uh, they pulled that thing off, and it's pretty amazing. Of course, the Los Angeles Lakers won the NBA title over the Miami Heat. Uh, so I'm pretty excited to see how this next season is going to go. Of course, I'm, in case you don't know, diehard Chicago Bulls fan here since I was a kid. So I'm very excited about the changes with that team. There was there needed to be changes made. Coaches, front office, that whole thing needed an overhaul. And I'm really thrilled. I like who... I like who they've brought in. I like I like the the new front office. It seems like they're very committed to getting this thing turned around. And I like the addition of Billy Donovan. I think he's going to going to be a good coach to have. I'm I'm excited to get him in there. It just feels like this is a definite wave of change here with the Bulls. So I'm really pumped to see that. One thing I am not pumped about is it was announced that the Bulls Outsiders podcast uh, post show, I don't know what you call it, podcast, you know, the post show that they're always on, NBC Sports Chicago, they're tied to them. They announced that they're not coming back. Uh, that I guess I guess there was an NBC Sports Chicago decision or something, but I was just so disappointed because I really enjoy them. Uh, there were a lot of times where I wouldn't, well, I didn't watch many games last season. Because, well, I don't, for one, I don't get many games here. And with how bad they've been, you know, they're not on national TV very often. So I just don't have any way to watch them. So I don't have League Pass or anything like that. So, uh, but even then, I don't want to, <laughs> I didn't want to put myself through the misery. I'd watched a few games and I'm like, man, this is frustrating because it was just, just like I said, it needed to be. There needed to be change there with the front office and everything, and the coaching, and so uh, the talents there. The talents there. I like the player. I like a lot of the players there. So, but the Bulls Outsiders was something I would tune into, uh, even if I didn't watch the game. I just tune in and be like, all right, well, what do they have to say about the game? You know, and there was a lot of times where I'd be watching games like the you know, the updates of the games on Twitter and people are just losing their mind. I'm like, oh, this is bad tonight. Like, well, let's turn them on and see what kind of ranting they've got going on. And, um, you know, they were a lot of like sanity keeper <laughs> a lot of times where it's like, if you, if things are bad, you just want to sit there to have somebody to just rant and rave with you, <laughs> you know, to where it's, it's like you've got support. So I'm really going to miss those guys. I'm really hoping that they're going to maybe do something on YouTube. I don't know. I just, I've got to think they've got to do something because they've got a following. I really like them and enjoy them. Uh, I just, I don't want that to end. So I'm hoping, hoping maybe they've got something in the works of somewhere where they could land. Because I think they could do a YouTube channel just set up somewhere, you know, people are going to watch you. It's like, you've got a, you've got a base. So that's something I'm hoping is going to go on, but yeah, NBA season is going to launch December 22nd. This season of the amazing race continues to play along. Uh, I thought this week's episode was going to not have a lot of drama to it because 
Kaylin and Haley seemed like they were so far behind because of, you know, the non-elimination round last time and that they were so far behind. Then they had to complete the speed bump. They, you know, and as they said, they never saw another team the whole time they were racing on this leg of the race. So it just felt like there wasn't going to be any drama. The whole time I was watching this episode, I thought, well, bummer, they're going to get eliminated. And what... And what I ended up seeing going on was I was watching the editing and we start seeing Michelle and Victoria struggling to where they get lost. And the thing is with this show, there's a lot of times where the editing will make things look closer than what they really are. Because you want some kind of a drama, you know, at the end of the episode. You want to see something visually that makes you think, hey, the, the end of this is in doubt Whereas there's a lot of times where they'll make it look close and it's not close at all. So as I'm watching this, I'm thinking, okay, they're they're just really drawing this out, making it look like it's, you know, it's going to be a challenge here. Um, it ended up being a challenge. <laughs> it really ended up being a challenge. As Michelle and Victoria got lost on the way to the carnival games. And... What blew my mind is when they put the graphic up on the screen that said that they had been in the car for six and a half hours. They were lost for six and a half hours trying to get to the carnival games after leaving the the pie challenge. So what ends up happening, of course, Kaylin and Haley think they're done. I mean, they go ahead and run their race. They're not seeing anybody. They get to the mat and Phil's basically says, uh, you know, there's a lot of kind of crazy things and, you know, stuff like that. And he's kind of setting it up and he's like, yeah, you are not the last team to arrive. And of course, they're just, you know, complete shocked face and jaws dropped. And, and yeah, that's what happened. Michelle and Victoria were eliminated from this leg of the amazing race. What a shocker. The last leg of the race we saw, well, let's let's compare here. The last leg of the race, Kayla and Haley ended up with a drive with a taxi driver that didn't know where she was going, and at one point even got out of the taxi, went to some local's house and walked up asking for directions. And Kayla and Haley are sitting in the back of the cab going, This isn't good. This is not good. What's going on? So you go from that to where they got so far behind because of their taxi driver and what ends up happening. And there's so many times where you want to be able to control your own fate. And we have this leg of the race that was self-drive. You had to self-drive yourself. So Michelle and Victoria got lost on their own. So, I mean, there's the flip-flop of two different directions. Because I've always said what's crazy about the Amazing Race is... You can do everything right. You can just be rock solid, just breeze through these challenges. But if you get one taxi driver, if you just happen to get a bad taxi driver that doesn't know where they're going or something similar or just any kind of a problem with the taxi driver, it can put you from first to last real quick. And Kaylin and Haley got way behind last week, you know, where they got their taxi driver got lost. So they're trying to battle back this time, and then Michelle and Victoria ended up getting eliminated on a self-drive, you know, to where they themselves got lost. So it was really a crazy episode. So let's start from the beginning and just kind of go through some different things here. Uh, Definitely setting up the first part of the episode, definitely set up for... The problems with driving where you had teams having to drive stick shifts and let me tell you if i had to drive a stick shift in any of these countries it would be way worse than anything you saw on this episode because that is one thing i cannot do and and of course they set this up and the way that they foreshadowed it i figured it was going to go the other direction but they show will and james and they're like, yeah, before this race, we practiced stick shift where we know where we know how to do this now. So I'm thinking they're going to rock this. And I also thought, well, of course they practice. Because remember the last episode to where they said, 
you know, they practice the the bottle, the the choreograph choreograph dancing where they had to, you know, put the bottle on top of their head and not let the bottle fall off and break. And they had actually practiced that because they were just practicing random amazing race challenges to where they would have some kind of knowledge if they run into any of these tasks on this race. So I really expected when they foreshadowed that, I'm like, oh, they're going to rock the stick shift. They did not rock the stick shift. Uh, and actually, they were so bad at the stick shift that it was affecting other teams because they were having to come out of a parking garage and it was one lane. So they're trying to get through, Will and James are, and they're they're stuck. They can't get out. And then you've got like two teams behind them that can't get through either. It's like their fate is based on Will and James up in front of them that can't get to going. So they're, you know, you hear teams honking behind them. So the irony here is that Leo gets out of the gets out of his car, goes up to theirs. And basically, it's like, get out of the car. Let me get you up out of this space because we've got to go. And the irony is that Will and James had uh, yielded Leo and Alana a couple, two or three legs ago. Was that the premiere? Was that the premiere episode? I don't remember. It's either the premiere episode or the second episode. So there's there's complete crankiness there. Those Those teams have not talked much ever since that yield which i can't blame them so leo is basically like get out of the car let me do this so because you're holding all of us up so he goes up gets them out and i think michelle and victoria were the other team uh stuck back there too and i thought it was so funny then you know they get going and will and james are like boy could have shown us a little bit of empathy for our situation there and i'm like you know (laughs) When you yield a team and you almost get them eliminated, I think empathy kind of goes out the door, <laughs> you know. So that was kind of the irony there, that you know you've got the teams that were such drama, you know, with that first yield, and now Will and James had to be bailed out, you know. So that was kind of a funny thing there. So you had a lot of teams struggling with uh, with the stick shift along the way. I like the roadblock. The roadblock was pretty fun where you had to go into this art gallery and up on the up on the wall is all these real paintings and in the other room are people dressed up as some of the people in these paintings. I think they said there were nine people, like there's a room full of people, but only nine of them are actually dressed like people in the paintings. So you have to roam into this art gallery, pick out somebody up on the wall, take off out and try to match up somebody from that painting. But also you have to get the name of the painter that's on the bottom of the painting too. So you have to do that and then you take it to the person that has the clue and then they'll tell you if you're right or wrong. So that was a pretty fun task. I liked that. I thought it was pretty fun. Uh, most teams seem like they did pretty well there. Aparna, Iswar, and Aparna were the teams that struggled the most. <laughs> Bless her heart. Aparna, she, it took her 16 tries to finally get get it right. And I like the story, you know, where they told, like, uh, kind of their background story of, like, that they, they're always determined. They never give up, you know, and that was kind of the story of this task that even though, she had, it was taking her 16 tries. She never gave up and she had a great attitude about it the whole time too. So once we get past there, we go to like a pie making uh, task. And from there, and this is where we saw uh, one of the Alliance plays. And this season of the Amazing Race is big time on Team Alliance. We have five teams that are in Alliance and one thing I've always seen, I mean, we've always had alliances in the, well, not always, but we've had a lot of alliances in the Amazing Race, and they'll just kind of subtly, you know, help somebody, like little subtle ways, you know, where like, hey, can you get this team on the same flight that we are, you know, things like that. But what we're seeing this season on the Amazing Race 
is like they are detailed on how they're helping each other to where they're sneaking info to people in airports, sneaking around people, they're ones they're not aligned with. So the Team Alliance is in full effect uh, this season, and we saw it in this pie-making challenge to where at the end, when you would go to take the pies to be delivered, you walk into the room, and when you walk through, there are chefs on the side, and they're all throwing pies at you. Riley and Madison are the first team to get that done. When they go out, there's a couple teams there from their alliance, and they fill the info to them, fill them in on the info, and say, hey, be prepared to where you're going to get some pies in the face when you go in here, because when you walk through, you're taking pies, but you've got to hold your pies and make sure not to drop them. You know, this is a major distraction thing going on. So you had a couple teams that, that was in that alliance that got clued in on what to expect when they went in there. So this alliance thing is continuing to go on. Uh, so that's going on. We still have a little bit of the art thing. You know, some of the teams are still stuck back at the art. I really laughed at D'Angelo and Gary. I don't know. They may be, I don't know. I don't know if they're my favorite team, but they're probably my second favorite team. I like Kaylin and Haley, probably number one. And I think D'Angelo and Gary are probably my number two. Uh, Gary's talking about his love for art uh, in one of their interviews. And D'Angelo's face is so gold where D'Angelo's like, what? Are you kidding me? I didn't know. And of course they cut to him and he's he gives this big funny reaction of like, I've known you for all these years. I never knew you were into art. When did this happen? You know, and his face the whole time Gary is just talking about art was hilarious. It was so funny. So after that, once we get through, uh, well, let's cut, let's bounce to this first because we've still got Kayla and Haley who have to do the speed bump when, when there's a non-elimination round in the amazing race. Um, you have to complete an extra task, which is called the speed bump. So they had to do this task that involved a horse. And when I, the first thing I saw, like when they get to the task was like, there was a woman there with a horse and it looked like neither one of them wanted to be there. The woman just looked completely cranky. The horse was very impatient, moving around, making a lot of noise. And I think, Kayla and Haley kind of made the comment of like, well, they're probably not happy that it took us so long to get here. They've probably been sitting out here in the cold all the time. Because if you notice, they were in Paris, by the way. Um, at the beginning of the episode, it looked kind of rainy and dark, which is weird because it seems like every time on The Amazing Race they go to Paris, it's raining and miserable weather. <laughs> I don't know if that's just, I don't know if that's true or if I'm just noticing this or what i don't know if that's fact or not so they're trying to complete the speed bump and this woman and this horse just do not look like they are having it it's like they look like they could care less about being there that was i wondered if anybody else was picking this up as i as much as i was watching because that woman was just not having it so kaylin haley get through that and of course that moves them on to the to the pie stuff that's where they have to go complete that challenge uh, the rest of the teams move on to the carnival games to where it's a bunch of carnival games. You have to complete three different games. Uh, this really looked fun. I really thought this was something I would have enjoyed doing. I don't know what these games are called. I mean, you've got, there was just simple ones, you know, where you've got something, they've got like a face up there and you've got to throw the ball through the mouth, you know, and I did laugh at the Leo and uh, Alana thing where they set that up perfect to where Alana's like, I think Leo's going to be pretty good at this because he played baseball when he was in eighth grade or middle school or something. I can't remember what she said. And then cut to like, I figure we're just going to see him rocking it. And it's like, no, nope, we have like hijinks baseball music playing in the background while he's just, just nailing <laughs> You know, the board, he's not nailing. He's not going through the hole. He's just nailing the board, missing over and over. But then he gets going and gets his rhythm and goes right through it. That one was fun. I had the other one, I don't know what you call it, where you've got a pyramid of of uh, cups or something. You have to throw the ball and knock them all down. 
I think you've got like three tries to where you have to clear all of them. You have to knock every one of them over. So uh, D'Angelo and Gary just rock that. I mean, they went up there and just demolished that. D'Angelo just <laughs> dominated. Uh, the other game, I would have been terrible at this one because it just was kind of weird and complicated. It just, I don't know. I guess probably if you played, it would have made more sense. But you had these horses. They were like electronic horses. You would roll the ball, and if you roll it in a certain number, um, it would make the horse go faster than the others. And you're competing against, you know, just random locals. You know, they're they're playing the game with you. Uh, they move along. You know, if you land it in one hole, it speeds it up. If you land it in another hole, it might be slower. Um, that I don't know. That one looks like, and it did appear that way for the teams. That one looked to me incredibly frustrating. The other ones you can kind of control. Uh, you can kind of control your own destiny at it. That one, it's like you have to figure all this out and you're competing against other people. And there was some teams getting frustrated. So we had that going on. Uh, first team at the pit stop, Riley and Madison, uh, they're doing very well in this season of the Amazing Race so far. Um, Will and James, when they pull up, uh, Phil, Phil shades them on, uh, <laughs> on their driving skills. So I was like, man, even Phil's getting on them about their driving skills. So after that, I mean, we know the story from there. Like I've already talked about Kaylin, Haley bounce back. Michelle and Victoria get lost for six and a half hours on the way to, uh, the carnival games and Caitlin Haley uh, beat all the odds and are still in this thing. Uh, like I said, I think Caitlin Haley are my favorite. I, I enjoy them. I think they're a fun sister duo. Uh, you know, they, they had to battle the stick shift thing too. They were getting very frustrated. So yeah, they're probably my favorite. Uh, I'm bummed to lose Michelle and Victoria because I, I think that's been a fun team. Their dynamic, and you know, we had two sister teams up against each other here to uh, try to finish at the end of this leg. Um, I've liked the Michelle and Victoria dynamic. It's fun, you know. I think they've been two very fun personalities on this amazing race season. So I'm bummed to lose them because I have enjoyed them quite a bit. So yeah, that's been the sh that was the shocker tonight. I really thought the editing was just your typical Amazing Race editing, where I'm like, they're gonna make this look close, you know, but Kaylin and Haley are gonna get knocked out with a blowout, unfortunately, you know, and and that's not what happened at all. I mean, you hate you always hate to go see anybody go out like that, you know. That's a tough, tough thing. That's a tough thing to uh, to deal with, you know. It's just that's a lousy way to go out. So that's pretty much the story of this episode of The Amazing Race. Uh, I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying the season so far. It's great to have it back on TV. Um, I really enjoyed last season, which was the reality all-star season, basically with Big Brother, Survivor, Amazing Race, all-star teams. So yeah, it's, uh, it's been fun. I'm looking forward to seeing how the rest of this race goes. So that is a wrap on the first episode of the Entertainment Goes Pop podcast. Hope you've enjoyed it. Take care. God bless you. And just hope you all have a great day.